Hello, today's episode is how to gain commercial cleans. So I'm Louise here with Diane and both of us have done a lot of commercial cleans over the years, haven't we? Although we've both decided to stick to domestic primarily, um, which seems to be opposite to how a lot of people think, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we see it quite a lot, don't we? You know, oh, I've got a domestic cleaning business. How do I get into commercial? I heard it's more profitable. And, and, and I just think, well, I like domestic because it fits with work-life balance. That's the main reason. So we've done a really good podcast with Jason Moss comparing domestic and commercial. And I think the outcome is, you know, both can be as profitable as each other. Um, the benefit of commercial is that, um, you have less customers to deal with. The benefit of domestic is that you've got less risk because your risk is spread over more customers. Um, for us, we charge the same for domestic and commercial. I think you do too. Yep. You know, I earn decent enough rates for both. Um, but how are you going to get your first commercial clean on your books? Yeah, and there's, there's, well, there's lots of marketing strategies for commercial. And my first ones came from referrals though from existing domestic clients who either had a business or worked somewhere local and and asked if it was something that we could help with. Yeah, if you work in a small community, they're just going to come to you, aren't they? They know you're a good cleaning business. They go, oh, do, would you do my office? Um, yeah. it's really and actually, that, that as a strategy is completely free because all you do is you let your domestic customers know that you're looking for commercial work and, and they'll recommend you. So... Um, it's a really nice, easy way of getting new clients from referrals. Our first ever commercial was quite a big one, though, and it was from a networking group. So a, a B, it was BNI, but there's loads of different types around. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a good contract for quite a long time. We did that one. Do you know one of the ones I had? A deep clean of um, someone had moved out of a restaurant and the land, the building owner wanted us to come in and deep clean this restaurant they'd moved out of. Oh, Diane, <laughs> I was in there for nearly 60 hours, right? Oh, did I, you quote enough? I think I I did. I mean, I covered costs. I, I quoted enough. But I what I had done, so we're in Manchester, and um, I'd stayed there till like nine o'clock one night. So it was only me and one other person, and we'd spread it over about five days. They were really okay with us doing this. And I'd been defrosting a freezer, and... For some reason, and I don't know why, I must have been tired. I'd been at it for a few days already. I left the freezer open and I left and it was all laminate floor underneath. And I'd gone off to Wales for the weekend. And in the middle of the night at two in the morning, I woke up and was like, oh, I've left the freezer door open, like big chunks of ice. And it's all laminate floor underneath. I was like, why would I do that? Mm. And um, I drove back from North Wales to Manchester at two o'clock in the morning. And I had done this and it was full of water. Now I mopped it up really quickly and everything was fine because I got to it quite quickly. Um, and I drove back to North Wales for like four in the morning and went back to bed. That's dedication, absolute dedication, but also fixing a problem. That's what we do as business owners, isn't it? Yeah, but what do you do? I couldn't, you'd ruin the entire laminate floor. Yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> that's impressive yeah well our first one was a golf club actually um it was about 28 hours a week I think um so you know for us as a small business relatively new business as well it was a big contract um and yeah we did it for about six years but it was really interesting because obviously it was a referral from a networking group which is great but there was still no guarantee of getting it and I had to meet the manager of the golf club had a good look round and a good you know lots of lots of conversation and smoozing shall we say but also I had to meet the um the the people that ran the ladies part of the golf club so the ladies golf team I had to meet with about three of those ladies as well and reassure them of the standard that we were going to bring to the golf club so that was a really interesting one for my first ever commercial Ah, uh, would you know so we've had some interesting ones one of the ones I had for the longest amount of time was um what do you call where people just rent an office so it's like mixed space yeah and so lots of people would have just one office or, ro- or one hot desk it was a multiple working space and it was massive there must have been a hundred in there with like four different boardrooms and I loved it but they wanted to give us two hours three times a week and I was like Ouch. what can we achieve in this and so you know, in some ways, it's a six-hour clean. You know, that's nice. Mm-hmm. And it was in the evenings. But um, I do remember going, I-, I can't stay on top of this. And we negotiated it up and negotiated it up. And that's what I find with commercials. If you misquote it, you know, they will push you quite hard on that. Yeah, well, you know, they're, they're they're in business. Their margins are important as well. And and maybe our role as part of the quote is to make them realise the importance part that we play. And therefore, hopefully when it comes to the quote, it's less painful. But it's hard to get that quote right when they're very set on how long they want, isn't it? Yes, and this is my budget. So let's go into quoting because I don't know about you, but I quote commercial cleans differently to how I quote domestic. Yeah. So do you want to go first? How are you going to quote a commercial clean? Yeah. So, well, the difference, the main difference between domestic and commercial for us now is we actually go out to commercials to do the quote. Yeah. Um, it's part of the sales process to go out and, you know, demonstrate how professional we are and also it's very hard to sort of say it's just a kitchen when it comes to commercial whereas domestic you can kind of go it's a kitchen and judging by the size of the house what sort of thing you're going to be facing but you've no idea with a commercial what you're going to be facing so we always go out and see them because you don't know if 100 people are using that one kitchen or you don't know if actually it's just 50 but they're really dirty on a building site or you you just don't know what you're facing because you look at a kitchen you go well I could clean that kitchen in about 15 minutes it's a teeny little kitchen and then you go what like I have to clean inside the fridge every single day and I have to get oh you're all going to batter it are you every day yeah, absolutely. It's very different. And also what, what I like about actually going to a, a, a commercial quote is it's slightly different. You can almost be more critical of the, the current cleaning standard usually, can't you, than you can in somebody's home. So you can point out those things. Oh, I can see around the taps, you know, somebody needs to get a toothbrush to those. And you can point these things out, whereas in somebody's home, you wouldn't necessarily quite so bluntly put it, would you? That's because in a commercial, they're not doing their own cleaning. So you're criticizing someone else who you'll never meet and there's no emotional attachment. When you criticize it in someone's home and you say, oh, yeah, you know, you could do this, this and this. It's like, oh, well, you know, I've been busy this week. And you go, oops, you know, shouldn't have mentioned that then. Absolutely. And also, I think doing the the quote fake quote quote face to face means you get a chance to ask questions about their expectations and you know things like clear desk policies and talk about 
particularly the desk, computer equipment, what are their expectations, telephones, and all that sort of thing. So you've got a sort of slight difference when it comes to commercial as the sort of questions you need to ask. And you can upsell an awful lot, can't you? Well, we could come in and every month we could sanitise all your telephones or we could do this. And, you know, carpet cleans are brilliant add-on. I say add-on, it's, you know, for a lot of people, that's their full-time business. But for a commercial clean like mine like it once a year and I'm going you could do with it every sort of four to five months but yeah yeah. and there are convenience things that you can add on aren't there obviously there's supplies and making sure you add a good margin for those providing it whether it's toilet rolls hand towels hand gel um that sort of thing but also um you know we we add on because we have a laundry so we we take away their tea towels and towels and things and it's just for when usually it's an office manager or somebody like that that's showing you around and they've probably been taking those things home so oh. you're adding some value to them personally that you're going to take care of those sort of little silly things that in an office fall to somebody don't they and the other thing that they love that we will do that if we don't do it's just such a tax on the managers there emptying the bins yeah. like in the office we do we empty 10 bins every single day and we last year we messed up for some reason there was a few days over Christmas we thought they were closed they were actually open and of course we weren't there um and they were like oh we're so glad you're back we have to empty these bins ourselves and we were like okay <laughs> like you know that happens and I think yeah. they just don't realize you do all of these things no and also it's important as part of the quote to sort of go round and go okay can you show me where we would empty the bins because that's going to be different whereas in a house generally it's a wheelie bin around the back or in the side but in a in an office it could be anywhere couldn't it where you have to actually dispose of the waste for them so how are we going to win this so let's assume referrals <clears throat> you know if you've got a good base if you've got a decent domestic business already well then that's going to be a lot easier you almost just have to tell people you're doing it But let's say you're a startup or, you know, you've only got 10, 20 customers, so you haven't got a massive base. How would you go about advertising? So for me, (coughs) there's two, there's two, it's networking, whether that's online or in person has been the most effective way of getting new business. So you've got in person, so you've got um, local chambers of commerce, rotary clubs, lions, particular business networking groups like BNI. Um, but you've also got um, online networking um, where LinkedIn, for me, is the most powerful tool for building your network and, and knowing who in the local area you want to speak to. Yeah, LinkedIn's brilliant. But I think we see a lot of bad practice on LinkedIn, don't we? I mean, I get spammed probably about 100 to 1 for genuine people that contact me. I get 100 spam messages and it's just as bad for everyone else. Yeah. And it, it, it puts people off connecting with you. So, um, you know, you can you can you can ask people to connect with you and people might. But for me, the biggest no, no is connect and spam nobody wants that I've just literally said yes I'd love to get to know you better and already you're trying to sell me something and it's a bit like you know if you think of it as networking you wouldn't walk into a your very first networking meeting and literally spam all over people how my business is amazing I don't want to talk about you I just want to talk about me so I, I look at it in the same way it's online networking treat it in the same way build relationships with people get to know them but also let LinkedIn is really powerful because of course it gives you their that who the person is you need to speak to so you could then use it for some offline you know actual walk arounds and that sort of thing so for me if you know the name of the person and you know the business they've got a switchboard do we still have switchboards anymore I think a lot do don't they you've got the main um, reception number 
you know who you need to speak to I'd be phoning them up and I think a lot of people are scared of doing this and they'd rather email and they'd rather hide behind the computer or even send a letter um but phone someone. I mean, in if you can go in there, if it's some, if it's a particular one you really, really want that contract, I'd be going in in person. But actually, if you want to target a hundred businesses on a business park, would you know what? A hundred will probably take you a week to call. But I'd be phoning all a hundred. Yeah, I agree, and and the, that's why LinkedIn is so powerful because it gets you those contact details. So you want a, an office manager at a particular business in your local town. They're on LinkedIn. You get their name, and then you've got and if you've got gatekeepers on the on the the, the switchboard, then you've got you know an in, haven't you? You know who you need to speak to rather than phoning and saying, "Can I speak to the person who deals with the cleaning?" You ring and say, "Can I speak to Dawn?" <laughs> yes, because they don't like to pass you to the facilities manager because the facilities manager is almost definitely not sat at a desk, so they're going to have to give you the mobile number or yeah. um. So they are hard to contact. Yeah, but but that's that's why it's it's networking, it's building your knowledge and building your your network. And you might come across people on LinkedIn, but also the other thing on LinkedIn is too many people on there do not actually have anything on their LinkedIn. So if you're then saying, please connect with me, they'll look at your profile and go, why? You you know, you're not very interesting yet. So you need to make yourself interesting on LinkedIn as well. Just like if you're going to a networking meeting, ask them about themselves, talk about business, don't pitch at people it's the same principle I love it I love it so do you think commercials are harder to win than domestic or how do you what do you think because a lot of people are like how do I do it how do I do it that question gets asked so many times in our group how do I win a commercial clean and we're talked about offices here but you're right there's golf clubs dentists doctors you know leisure centers anything you think of if you want to specialize in hairdressers you could have a roaring trade in hairdressing personally wouldn't want to but you know <laughs> they're hard work um soft play people specialize in soft plays yeah. um I like to approach sort of target one thing at a time because if you already have a golf club let's say or a soft play you already know the specific problems associated with that one so you can then use that to sell into the next one and the next one and if you know there's like five soft plays in your area I'd be approaching all of them yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, this is part of where people are a bit scared of selling and that sort of thing. But do you know what? Selling is just asking the right questions and having a conversation with people, isn't it? And one of the nice things about doing the commercial appointment is you just demonstrate your professionalism. You can potentially name drop if you've got permission from any of your clients to do that. Um, but also you can just sort of like ch- ask them questions, you know, and I, I always think in, in commercial particularly, They've probably already got a cleaning service. They might not, but they've probably already got a cleaning service. So there's nothing wrong with asking the question, how long do your current cleaning service spend here? You know, do they know? Um, They probably won't give you how much they're paying, but they will usually let you know how long they're spending there. So it gives you a guide as to what you need to be thinking about. You can also mention certain things like TUPE, which is T-U-P-E, transfer of undertakings of I think it's permanent employees, something like that. Um, but you have to mention it. But you mention you mention it because it gives you the knowledge, your clients or potential clients, the knowledge that you've got that expertise. So I always just say, you know, that there might be um, that we have to transfer um, the team that are cleaning here. And the client might say, but they're not doing a very good job. And we'll say, well, it might just be that actually they're not very well managed and we'll manage that process for you anyway. So you don't need to worry about it. Whereas most cleaning contractors that have gone out won't even have mentioned it. 
how many questions are we getting at the moment about two pieces? What what's going on? Everyone seems to be changing contracts, or maybe they're all coming. Like maybe the DCBM members are just getting bigger and bigger, and they're taking on bigger and bigger contracts. And we are being inundated with questions about two P at the moment, aren't we? We are, and and there's a map. Well, there's, the good news is there's a masterclass in the training library from an employment law specialist because we are not experts in two P. Um, and also, um, there's a, a a big document um that is a complete comprehensive guide to it as well in our member documents. But it's something that if you're going to do commercial cleaning, you have to learn. Simple yes. as and learn it before you need to know it learn it before you come across it because someone's going to bring it up and expect you to know about it so yeah. we make it super easy you can just watch a video watch it in the background watch it at double speed but watch it yeah absolutely yeah um okay so how do you deliver the quote then louise so probably very differently to um domestic so with domestic i would deliver it there and then on site or over the phone or over the video whatever i'm doing and i'd say this is how much i would expect it to cost um basically when shall i book you in and they'll book in with us in commercial i would do it differently um so we know that commercial or all buyers require you know they want some comparisons so they ideally in best practice would get three different companies into quote and they would look at all three and they would compare them so what I would be doing is going right I'll go away I'd probably give them an idea on site um, but then I'd go away and provide three different quotes so I would provide them exactly what they'd asked for which would be my middle quote and I'd give them a price for that I'd provide a best service so a premium quote and this is what we could give you and this is how I'm going to build in carpet cleaning and this is how I'm going to do everything you could possibly want and push it up high and don't be afraid to make it out of their budget completely out of budget because then they realize what a good deal they're going to get with you and then I'd give them a budget quote and I would say well you know if you want your my minimum make it my absolute minimum my two-hour visit um and this is what you'd get done and show them you'd only get your bathrooms and kitchens and uh you know I might go over the floor once a week and give a real budget quote and the reason for this is um instead of them having to go and get three different quotes from three different companies, if they've got three quotes from me, then they're only likely to get maybe one other quote. And it just increases the chance of them going with me because in their mind, they've got three quotes. They're all from the same company, but that is enough for them to compare on. That's really good psychologically. That's really clever. <laughs> I like that, Louise. <laughs> a bit I manipulative. Listening, that. That is gold. That's a golden nugget right there is give them three <laughs> quotes give them three quotes they don't have to be the quotes they want but and and what I have learned as well and I'm having this reinforced constantly so as you know we I, I run other businesses as as you do um, and we've started selling products as we have done for a while and the pricing is really different um, and what we found is um so I'll, I'll give you the specific example. So we sell honey, okay? And we were selling honey at 11 pounds a jar. And we put an offer on and we said, you can buy three for 30. So they would save because it would become 10 pounds a jar. And nobody was going for our three for 30 offer. And we were like, oh, that's a bit odd, but okay. So then we put the price up to 12 pounds a jar, right? And they all went for the three for 30 offer. Okay. <laughs> so what we realized, we didn't really want to sell individual jars. So we've learned actually push that price up because actually then it makes your other offer seem more attractive. Now our offer didn't change. The one we wanted them to buy didn't change. And so I would be doing exactly that when I was quoting, you know, push up your higher price really high so that the one they're going for 
actually seems like a really good deal. And of course, if they do go for the higher price with all the bells and whistles added in, then absolutely brilliant. What do you do if they go for the budget version now? I suppose as long as you've managed expectations, it should be okay. It just means that, okay, let's go for the budget version. It's not what you described. You said you wanted to me. So I don't know if you're going to be happy with this. What we'll do is we'll start with this and we'll reevaluate this. I'll book in a call now in three weeks time and then we'll talk about it. And you let the dust build up on their skirting boards and you let this build up. And then you go, would you like me to come in and deep clean that again and get it cleaned? Or shall we just build it in? And they go, oh, yeah. Um, so I'd I'd go with it if that's what I would rather win the work because in three weeks time I can renegotiate and it's a lot easier to renegotiate from that point because they know us we're going to turn up we're trustworthy and we communicate well so it's not going to work we all know it's not going to work but let's go with it yeah what about you would you take it on at the budget one well, interestingly, because we don't, we just give our quote. So, um, but I, I really like the idea of doing this. So I, I'm, I'd, I'd have to sort of like really make sure that the budget one was going to fit and be, you know, a, still a good contract, I suppose. But if you're going to upsell them in three weeks time anyway, then um, I suppose it gives them an option. So when you say a contract, I mean, I would be saying, so our minimum clean visit, I know your minimum clean is three hours. So I'd say, well, my minimum is three hours or my minimum for me, it's two hours because we're very, very local, two hours. And all you're going to get is this and this. And, oh, look, you're du- so you can only fit in kitchens and bathrooms. All your desks are building up, aren't they? Do you want me to come in and do that at the weekend? And we just keep adding bits on until they realise that. Yeah, I have actually done this, by the way, and it does work. It's not a great way of doing it, but it gets your foot in the door. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, and the thing is, it gives the client a choice, doesn't it? It's like you can carry on at this level or if you want it to be the right standard then um, it has to be that middle bit. And if, for example, they do stick that budget one and you're not delivering the quality of clean you want, but you are delivering what you're being paid to do. So I will deliver kitchens and bathrooms and hoovering in that two hours. And, you know, I'm not responsible for the fact the desks are now an inch thick in dust. That's not my problem. Will I solve it for them if they want to? Yes. And we have to be really clear to our staff because they would automatically want to do those extra bits. And they're like, oh, I could fit it in. And we're like, don't do it don't do it and you almost have to be strict with the staff and say don't do it even though you could because they're going to come back to us in two weeks you've almost got to play hardball they haven't booked that that's the reality isn't it and as long as it's all very clear though and clearly laid out you've managed the expectations of the client well this is the option we're going for this is what we'll do for that it's it's no different from a domestic where they really need four hours but they only want to pay for three and it's like okay so this is what we can do in three but we won't be able to do this so yeah it's the same thing isn't it it's really similar I, I find the whole thing quite similar do you know the nice thing though about commercial ones um they cause me so much less stress they do unless somebody phones in sick (laughs) yes yeah and and this is the thing for me and this is why I don't do more of them because we have a big team of domestic and if someone calls in sick that's fine I've got a big team to cover on commercial because I I'm not really set up properly if my commercials go off guess who's covering yeah yeah, and actually, our most recent commercials, we do them in the daytime, so we get the best of both. <laughs> people say commercial and domestic. If you're doing them in the daytime, what really is the difference? Like, There's no difference at all. It's the same cost. It's the same team. It just happens to be an office that we're cleaning rather than a house. Um, but for us, actually, they're they're really good, and the clients like it, and yeah, it, it and the team like it, so it works really well. 
See, I remember a few years ago when, you know, a few years ago before lockdown, clients weren't at home. And so we used to like going into nice empty houses and we were set up to do that. And then obviously we've had to get used to people being at home. So a long time ago, we would have said, well, we don't really do commercial ones during the day because there's always people there. Now it's like, oh, what difference does it make to us now anyway? Yeah, it doesn't make any difference at all, does it? The only thing is you have to just be a little bit aware if you're working in some, if you're cleaning in somewhere where they're on the phones is when you vacuum. But other than that, um, you can work around people just as easily. And and it's the public. I, You know, a lot of ours have public-facing areas and I don't want wet floors. You just have to be more aware with the public. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we clean an opticians um, and obviously we, we couldn't do that in the daytime. But, um, you know, offices, we, we yeah, we can generally do them in the daytime. And, and a couple of them are particularly literally around the corner from our office. So they're perfect. And in fact, I'd, I'd probably like to target the whole of our trading estate for daytime commercial cleaning. That would be a perfect customer base. You should do. Why are you not doing that already, Diane? It's because we've only we've only taken on a couple recently, and we because they've they're very easily converted to being done in the daytime. We're like, mm. yeah. So that's probably our New Year marketing campaign. <laughs> you know, I did a deep clean of an opticians, and um, in the end, all the glasses were on these little fiddly stands. I was like, no, no. Yeah, and the opticians, we, have... the opticians we do, we've been doing it for years, and it's the same. But they're all designer glasses, yeah. they're incredibly expensive. Yeah. And we had to remove them all because we had to get to the panels behind. And, uh, oh, it took hours, hours. <laughs> yeah, we got into a routine where basically, because we go three times a week. So um, we would just do break break the glasses down into thirds, if you like, in terms of the shelves and just you a third. So they get done once a week. Oh, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah. So, but it's a, it's a beautiful shop, but it's quite interesting actually because the back office where the staff have their sort of kitchen and toilet and and their work areas is tiny, and the shop is like huge, really fancy and lovely. But the back area is it's not it's, it's nice, but it's tiny compared to the shop. But the retail space is what matters, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's how people get viewed, isn't it? And that's why they need cleaners. And this is the nice thing because you know, you do have a lot less clients because as you said, you're in three times a week. Well, how many domestic clients are you in three times a week? Only yeah, a few, exactly, very few. Exactly. And we we, we like this particular one because they always have a, a professional window dresser um, for all the, the seat for Easter and for Christmas and things. And their Christmas display is always beautiful, but we always arrange it so that we go just after the window dresser's been to make sure that everything's left all beautiful in the shop after she's, you know, had glitter everywhere or bits of tinsel and goodness knows what snow. <laughs> and I don't mind window dressings because there's no expectation on us to clean that window dressing. Oh no, not at all. So it's like, it's fine, works for me. Do what yeah. you like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is the ideal commercial client then, Louise? It depends what you're looking for. Like I mentioned soft play earlier. That is not my ideal commercial client. Or nurseries. Nurseries. Or nurseries. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said you know an ideal commercial client is one where they are going to have regular hours and um, they're going to pay on time and um, for me you know paying in advance if you're going to pay monthly I want you to pay in advance you've got to pay on time and um, you've got to be realistic in your expectations and actually if you had all of those would I clean a nursery or soft play area absolutely yeah if, um, it was the, if it was the right terms then yeah I think you're right and and we're, we're the same we, we actually invoice calendar monthly we quote calendar monthly actually and we invoice and we invoice on the first of the month in advance with 30-day terms so they pay at the end of the month and it fits with their billing cycle and um, but it doesn't mean that we're waiting 60 days sometimes to get paid after the first clean has happened 
So yeah, it took us a while. We made that mistake. We build at the end of the month, having done a month's cleaning, build on 30 day terms. And I was like, hang on, hang on. Yeah. We're at severe financial risk here. So then we did what you did, right? And obviously they have to run on 30 day terms. And I understand that. So we said, let's bill at the beginning of the month. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that worked really nicely. But yes, on the right terms, for me, cleaning one thing, I will say soft play areas though, crawling through. Have you ever done this where you've had to crawl through on like a kid's play area? And I'm going, I mean, cleaning's physical enough, but doing it in a tube, yeah. um, I just want to go in there with a pressure washer or something. And I'm pretty sure you're not, you're not meant to do that. So no, it wouldn't be for, for me. And we, I, I would, you know, you're going to need specialist training to actually be able to do that, aren't you? Well, they don't offer it particularly though. So oh. if, if you've got it great, but it's, um, it's harder to do than you think. And the ball pulls, the ball pulls. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad my kids are grown up. <laughs> I'm going to say mine don't go in the ball pool. They do adult ball pools now. Well, hopefully they're not quite such germ pools as they are for children. Diane, when you, well, I think they are because they serve food and they, there's alcohol in there. But um, when you're next here, I'm going to take you out to Liverpool to a ball pool. <laughs> like, we'll have a great time. Yeah, it sounds brilliant. <laughs> On that note, everyone, and those that want to target commercial, there are now adult ball pools that I'm sure are up. For, I think they do their own, but um. Uh, up for grabs um so i hope everyone's picked up a few hints and tips and some things that will really help on the commercial journey thanks louise bye diane